Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 1 of Beyond the Smile, real talk with real people. Each episode is a casual conversation with a social worker, a licensed counselor, an executive or life coach, a chaplain, a nurse, or a physician. My goal is to find out what truly happens after their client or patient leaves or the professional goes home. What is behind the smile and what does life really look like? This is not about taking down walls and boundaries. Our conversations are about normalizing the myth that is helping professionals. Our lives are always put together. This podcast is about accepting that we are human first, professional second. We all have hardship and struggles as humans, no matter what we do in our day job. It is about time we come together and talk about our common humanity instead of living in the shame of what we hide from others. This podcast isn't perfect. There are errors and dogs barking and misstated words and probably even made up words along the way. But there's also honesty and truth with some truly, truly amazing and perfect people. So let's not wait anymore. Here's today's episode of Beyond the Smile, Real Talk with Real People. I hope you enjoy and that you're able to realize you are truly not alone. Okay. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Beyond the Smile, Real Talk with Real People. And today I have Leah Hart-Tennon with me. Welcome. Thank you, Melissa. Happy to be here. I am so glad that you could join us. And today being March 1st when we're taping. So happy Social Work Month. So we are embarking on uh, a wonderful month of celebrating social workers. So that I think is a great entree into basically hearing your story on how you entered um, or chose social work as your career. Okay. Um, Do you want me to say anything else? Like what I do, or I work. Oh, absolutely! You can do. You, you can, yeah. Story. It's part of your story. You can tell as much as you would like. Okay, okay. So, uh, the real starting place is that I am a Jew from Mississippi. So, <laughs> being one of very, very, very few, and one of the core mm-hmm. values of Judaism being social justice and making the world a better place, um, I was always sort of on that path at helping path Mm -hmm. but I didn't quite know what that was when I was younger I wanted to be a teacher and then in late high school early college for like five minutes I wanted to be a rabbi um and then when I was in 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 social work school in undergrad (laughs) um I stumbled upon women's studies and Mm -hmm. figured out that I really was interested in kind of health and well-being of girls and women. Um, And so after college, I worked at an abortion clinic in New York City for a couple of years, which Mm -hmm. was, I mean, we could talk about that for a whole podcast. Oh my gosh, absolutely. (laughs) Um, And then after a while, it was like, well, I can keep this job Mm -hmm. or I can get an entry-level job somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So the only way for me to advance in any kind of way is to change who I'm competing with for jobs. So I guess I have to go to grad school. Um, So I 
I loved college, but I did not like school. Okay. So grad school was not on my agenda at all. Um, but you know, young and thought I knew everything, still young, think I know everything. Um, <laughs> but you kind of learn in these really weird ways of what your next step is. Mm -hmm. um, but based on my interest and very little research, I applied to master's in public health programs. Okay. Um, and so that was the starting place. And so I miraculously, I don't know how, got into all the schools where I applied. I don't think I would get in today. I don't think I would have gotten into college today. Um, but when you're a Jew from Mississippi, it kind of gives you a little like, oh, let's increase our demographics. <laughs> yes. So I was really, I either wanted to live in DC or Boston, but I didn't know that I wanted to live in Boston. I came to visit a friend that had never been here before and kind of fell in love immediately and was like, I'm moving here, I don't care what happens. And a year later I moved to Boston and that was 20 years ago. Um, so I got into the BU School of Public Health, moved to Boston. I just like didn't know anything. I didn't know that the School of Public Health was on the med campus, which was really far away from where I was living. And so just like all of these, like, what is going on? And my classes were really hard, but not now I know that they were hard because my brain doesn't necessarily process. I was just going to say your brain wasn't way. wired that way. Yes. But mm -hmm. in that moment, mm -hmm. I was like, I am dumb. Like, I am not supposed to be here. This is, mm -hmm. this should not be this hard. I sort of right. convinced myself that that's what the mm -hmm. issue was. Um, and so at, at BU, am I allowed to say actual names of places? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you can apply for uh, an additional master's degree once you're already in. You don't have to apply for both at the same time. Oh. Uh, which okay. is worked totally to my advantage. And so my roommate was uh, in social work school. And so I knew her and a bunch of her friends. And I was like, maybe, maybe I should do this. But it was mm -hmm. kind of like a, I guess, I wasn't quite convinced that I needed mm -hmm. more school. Right. Um, but the MPH degree was really only uh, like 16 months. Like you could do it in three semesters or something. Mm -hmm. It's like, I mean, I might as well. So first day of social work school, like overslept totally a hot mess, ran to <laughs> campus. I was living much closer to campus this time, sat down in my first class, which of course was human behavior and the social environment. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I mean, I still describe it like this. It's like the clouds parted and the sun was shining. <laughs> and it was like, oh, okay. So mm -hmm. it's not that I was too dumb for public health school. Mm -hmm. that, that is not what I was supposed to be doing. Now, right. I fully believe that all social workers need a good dose of public health and or macro because absolutely, it, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, social work is so crisis intervention focused. Mm -hmm. And if we mm -hmm. could sort of shift gears and be a little bit more preventative, mm -hmm. we might see some changes. And that's really where the public health lens comes in. Right. I think right. that it totally um, Im impacts my social work lens mm -hmm. on the um, right. It was really hard. And I think, you know, may, maybe if I had done things a little differently, I might've only gotten my MSW, but who knows? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, I also think about like my best friend from school who is still mm -hmm. one of my best friends. I met her in the first week of public health school. I wouldn't have known her otherwise. Right. Um, 
So that's kind of how I got to social work. Mm -hmm. It's one of those, like when you look back at Mm -hmm. all of like the different socially justice oriented things that I did growing up. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, my youth group was really active. We did a lot of community service. Um, My regional youth group did a camp for kids with physical disabilities. I volunteered at an abortion clinic in Jackson, Mississippi at five o'clock in the morning on my parents. Wow. It was intense. It was intense. Um, So like I was always sort of geared that way. And that was the way my parents raised us to just sort of like think for yourself, but your job is to make the world a better place at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, And my mom was an educator. She still is. I don't know why I said was. And my dad was a camp director for 30 years, Mm -hmm. um, which is basically a social worker. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. (laughs) So after social work school, I wanted to do group work with girls. So I went and worked at the Big Sister Association and I did group work with girls. And that's Mm -hmm. where I met Lauren Fallon. So if you know Lauren, um, who you should get to be on this if you can, um, she and I ran groups together for Uh a long time. Um, So it's always so fun to sort of see where the path. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, So I did that for a while and I loved it. And I got to develop programs Mm -hmm. and I became sort of like the de facto sexual health expert and wrote Mm -hmm. a lot of programming for that. Um, And and then it got to a point where I was like, you know, I really love the work, but I don't love that I have to ask permission to leave early to pick up my sister from the airport. That just didn't feel good. That did not feel good. It did not make me feel like an adult. It made me feel trusted right. to do my work. And I was a department manager at that point. And it was right. like, what am I in charge of exactly if I'm not in charge of anything? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, and I also had a baby during all that. Sorry, I had a baby in 2000. Yeah, min- minor detail. Minor. minor detail. Minor, yeah. Um, but once I came back from having my oldest son and I was doing 80%, you know, four days and then Fridays off, um, it just was like, yep, yep. What else can I be doing? I was looking at other things and a bunch of part-time options started to pop up. Um, after childbirth, I had a pretty complicated recovery. And so I did two years of pelvic floor physical therapy, which Mm -hmm. we could do a whole podcast on that. We could, I've learned a lot about that through clients. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and in my physical therapy, I got to be, I made friends with my physical therapist because that's also what I do is I make friends Mm -hmm. with my helpers, like Mm -hmm. friends, friends. Right. Um, and I was like, I wish I knew somebody else who was going through this because mm-hmm. I understand the power of groups. And right. she said, well, I talked to the owner of the clinic. Do you want to run some groups for us? And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I did that. And I started a mental health program at this physical therapy clinic, which was essentially starting a private practice, even though they were managing billing and appointments. Correct. And that Correct. Yeah. And I was working at this uh, parenting education place, running groups, um, so doing mm-hmm. lots of groups in lots of different places, kid at home, got pregnant with number two. And then it just got to this point where I was like, I don't know how much money I'm making. I don't actually mm-hmm. know how many hours a week I'm 
working. Correct. And does that like, am I working enough? Am I not working enough? Mm -hmm. You know, we were, my husband is a partner at his firm. So getting Mm -hmm. benefits through him meant like we were paying for it. And so like all sort of like adult considerations had to be correct. Right. Not just like, Oh, what do I want to do? But like, Oh, Mm -hmm. right. You have a mortgage. Right. (laughs) Now it's time to adult. So um, there's this Jewish organization in Newton called Mein Chaim, which is a community mikvah. I don't know if you know what mikvah is, but it's- I do not. So it's big picture. It's full body immersion into living water. So water that has natural water added to it, usually rain, but it could be the ocean or a lake or a pond. Okay. It's like baptism, but not really. Okay. It marks a major transition in life. So traditionally, um, like observant Jewish women go right after their periods before they can Mm -hmm. lose sexual relationships with their husbands, you go before you get married Mm -hmm. and you go when you're converting to Judaism. Okay. So our founder, Anita Diamond, who wrote the red tent, shout out Anita, um, her husband converted. It was not a joyful experience. And she was Mm -hmm. just like, we got to fix this. So she started her own mikvah. Um, and it's very pluralistic. It's very feminist. It is very much about making the ritual your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went with a friend before my wedding and loved it. And then was like, I want to be here a lot. Mm-hmm. I've been volunteering there for almost 11 years. Um, wow. and in, in the middle of all of that, when I was doing all of these part-time things, mm-hmm. um, the executive director was on sabbatical. This is such a long story. I need to do it shorter, but <laughs> the executive director was on sabbatical and the Nikva director was the interim. And I was like, I want to work here with you all the time. And she was like, okay. <laughs> so it wasn't quite that easy, but mm-hmm. it influenced my decision that if you bother people enough, they will hire you. And I have gotten good piece of advice <laughs> in that way. And like, mm-hmm. I'm into something, I am all in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I worked there for two years and it was, it was much more of a macro perspective. So I was managing and training volunteers, uh, which I loved helping people make this, this ritual, mm-hmm. what they wanted it to be um, right. and stories of, well, I went to this other place and they made me leave because they said I wasn't Jewish enough and things like that, that just as a person and as a social Absolutely. Person, yeah. Like, wow. mm-hmm. So was there for two years mm-hmm. and then uh dana lehman who you know mm-hmm. um she and i were we still are involved with the international association for social work with groups iswg mm-hmm. shout out iswg and we were on the massachusetts board and i just i have this memory of like she came up to me mm-hmm. and like put her arm around me it was basically like let me help you figure out what you want to do with your life and i was like oh, i can totally see dana doing that <laughs> yes like we were already friendly, but then this mm-hmm. was like, oh my God, she really, really likes me. I mean, it was just like, <laughs> so she was like, okay, you're going to come teach group work at Simmons. And I said, okay. <laughs> and I had also at the same time started teaching group work at BU. And so okay. I was first asked, um, mm-hmm. a woman that I also knew from ISWG, who um, is the director of the group work program at BU, she emailed me and she's like, do you want to teach groups? And I was like, how unprofessional is it for me to say, hell yeah. I mean, that was, really- <laughs> I was- that was your response. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I loved the idea of teaching mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and 
it was everything I wanted it to be. I feel very strongly that it's my job to help train the next generation of social workers. I've always felt that mm-hmm. I'm supervising, you know, MSW level students. We had a really solid program when we were at Big mm-hmm. Sister. Um, and we got a lot of interns, a lot of Simmons interns. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I was teaching for Dana, I was kind of in this weird, like, what am I doing? Am I here? Mm-hmm. I'm there. Mm-hmm. Um, I covered a friend's maternity leave at an Orthodox middle school as a Mm. social worker, which was so fun. And that turned into, I now go there every year and do their puberty and sexual health program for the middle school girls, which they weren't getting any of. Oh gosh. And now it's been like seven years, eight years, which is cool. So like little opportunities, you just never know who they're going to pop up. Right. Um, and then I got a full-time job at this other agency and it just, it was not, it was not a good fit in a lot of different ways. I was not a good fit for them. They were really a not good fit for me. Mm-hmm. So, and then Dana was like, oh, hey, we're going to move to this online program. And I was like, no, you're not. You can't teach social work <laughs> online. And she was like, yes. And I would like for you to teach groups. And I said, you really, no, 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 you mm-hmm. can't teach online. And she said, yes, you can. I said, okay. Um, meanwhile, I started teaching groups at BU online and their online program was a little bit different and their group work class is a little bit different. So right. it was just a different model. So Dana, I was teaching for Dana and then she says, I'm going to be the director of this program and I want you to come and be my academic advisor. And I was like, you mean like I get to work with you every day and like hang out with you every day? And she mm-hmm. said, yes. And I said, Sign me, Sign up. me up. <laughs> exactly. So my my real philosophy in life mm-hmm. now is mm-hmm. if Dana Lehman tells you to do something, you say mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has not one time steered mm-hmm. me in the wrong direction. So yeah. I was the first and only academic advisor when we launched with mm-hmm. 45 students. So this is the online MSW program at Simmons. I should put that in there. Yes. And which is how I know you. Okay. Um and we started with 45 students in July of 2014, and now we have 1,200 students and growing. And so I was- Which is so exciting. So exciting. Mm-hmm. And like we had a little dip for a little bit, but now we're back up because mm-hmm. the world is in crisis. And when the world is in crisis, people right. go to social work school. It's just this weird, mm-hmm. I guess. Right. Anyway, so I was the first academic advisor totally created the model mm-hmm. and Dan and I worked together. We were like, what mm-hmm. is our vision? We, mm-hmm. I have an MSW. What is the point? Like, why do you need an academic advisor right. to have a social work degree? Well, you don't, but what if you did? What would it mm-hmm. look like if you mm-hmm. did? What mm-hmm. ways could you dig in mm-hmm. with students more than just like, oh, you got a bad grade. You need to repeat mm-hmm. the class or you need to take a leave of absence. Right. But Let's get into like the why and the how and how can we support you now or mm-hmm. how can we support you to take a leave and how can we support you when you come back so that you're mm-hmm. successful then. Right, right. Um, and so when we had just 45 students, I mm-hmm. checked in with every single one. Yep. <laughs> and it got yep. bigger and bigger and it just, you know, the things mm-hmm. that worked, they worked until they didn't work. And then we had mm-hmm. to change gears. Um, so then we hired another academic advisor. Um, hi, Allison. Um, and then Dana was like, I need an assistant director and I think it should be you. And I was like, 
okay because yeah if, we, if dana I, says absolutely um, and then, like, you know it wasn't given to me by any means I right, did right. Talk, i did the whole right. interview process like i sang for my supper mm -hmm. um but it was also there had never been an assistant director of the mm -hmm. office before there had never been an academic advisor so right. I was new in that role mm -hmm. new in this role and then um a couple of years ago gosh it's already been a couple of years when Dana decided to step down and move into a different role at Simmons, mm -hmm. she advocated really hard for Julia and I to be elevated a little bit. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we became the associate program directors, mm -hmm. Julia faculty facing and me student facing. And again, mm -hmm. that job never existed before. Right, right. So I love that. I really, mm -hmm. really do. Mm -hmm. I love mm -hmm. being a pioneer. Mm -hmm. All that innovation and kind of creating and mm -hmm. no one can say to me, well, that's not how we do things here. Mm -hmm. You don't know that. Right. Um, so that's how I got to where I am, which is the mm -hmm. program director of the online social program at Senate. Mm -hmm. um, and I have a team of three advisors and mm -hmm. I do a lot of administrative stuff and I sit mm -hmm. on a bunch of faculty committees um, and I get to engage with students mostly when they're struggling, which so I'm right. sort of principal, which isn't always fun. Mm -hmm. um, but teaching reminds me of what my mm -hmm. actual role is. Mm -hmm. with yes, yes. It's interesting that you said that. Um, I had a conversation yesterday, I was spending one of those very um, long drawn out visits to a local cell phone store that one should take five minutes and you're there five hours. And, you know, the gentleman's trying to make chit chat with me and I was trying to get the educator discount. And so of course I put on that I'm a professor and, oh, okay, what do you teach? And, and one of the comments I had said to him is I will never stop teaching as long as they'll have me. Hint, hint, Leah, as long as they will have me because um, they remind me why I went in the field in the first place exactly. and they're not jaded. They're ready to save the world. Mm -hmm. Yes. We've got to groom them a little bit and tweak and, and tweak that bright eyed, bushy tail unicorns exist, uh but it, it's always that remembrance of, okay, mm -hmm. Melissa, this is why mm -hmm. I started is because of that excitement. And then I think back on some of my teachers in social work school mm -hmm. who were that beacon of light for mm -hmm. me. Right. I right. would not have been exposed to or mm -hmm. learned about or even mm -hmm. considered. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you must take this class. Fine. Mm -hmm. Well, what can I right. get out of it? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the questions I was going to ask, but I kind of think I, I know the answer is one of your, your strongest mentors along this process. Yeah. And it's really ironic um, because she's been a huge mentor of mine. Yeah. She's did actually, did you go to excuse me? No, I did not. Okay, so you did not her before. Okay, gotcha. No, I did not. I went to Florida State, go Seminoles. Got to put my little plug in for go Seminoles. Oh, my uncle is a professor at Florida State, sociology. <laughs> I, um, she actually, uh, we did an interview and it was, uh, it was just so exciting to reconnect with her because she is a force for anybody who has never met, you know, Dana Lehman. She is such a force to be reckoned with. And it's, it's somebody that, like you said, 
she asks and you jump and not out of fear but out of total complete respect um so any other mentors along the way or would you say that's kind of one of the primary i mean she she is really the the primary i feel very lucky to have had a lot of different strong female role models in my life right um both of my grandmothers who mm -hmm. they were 95 they lived to 95 wow uh, which is amazing and so and my grandparents were best friends so they all knew each other before my parents grew up and so in my brain mm -hmm. that was normal mm -hmm. so when i had like my first series boyfriend and he was a lot older than me and i was like mm -hmm. you're not going to be best friends what i don't know <laughs> so but my grandmothers were both just like i'm not taking any shit from anybody mm -hmm. and really led the way there's a lot of women in my family um, and so I think having these really strong matriarchs, my mother, who's an educator her whole life, mm -hmm. who is probably the most selfless person I know, mm -hmm. a bunch of my teachers. Um, and then my first supervisor at Big Sister, who actually is now at Simmons. So shout out Diane Zibley. Um, she is one of the assistant directors for field on the campus mm -hmm. program. And so okay. it's not that our paths have crossed again, but mm -hmm. He is the one who really mentored me through all of my stuff at Big Sister. Right. She helped me transition from student who thinks they know everything to mm -hmm. social worker who knows a little bit to mm -hmm. now you can be in charge of people because you know a little bit more. Right. And you're an mm -hmm. expert in what you know. Right. Um, and so I feel really lucky to have had, a, I mean, I consider Julia a mentor. I mean, I just, mm -hmm. I feel really lucky. But yeah, to, mm -hmm. to have those those people and and I think since you know through the course of this conversation thus far, um, we've come up with three different um, avenues for additional podcast topics, but you oh. just actually put one on the table that not even realizing it is I think in the field of social work and just counseling in general, there's this tendency like you're an excellent clinician, so now you can supervise people. Right. Um, and, oh, you can supervise people. Okay. Now you can be a program director and you can write budgets and there's, there's really no bridging those gaps. Right. And, and I think there's a disconnect there without a strong mentor totally. to be able to pull you through that process. At least give you a starting place. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember my first budget sheet as executive director <laughs> and calling my brother who is living in Manhattan, running a company and being like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? And right. he just starts laughing. He's like, where are you? I said, I'm at a conference in San Francisco, but they're speaking a different language. Yep. And just just not knowing no math <laughs> i know exactly that's why i went into social work right <laughs> yes because <laughs> there was absolutely no math right um so one of the things i do in every single class i teach um despite the fact that it's not ingrained in the curriculum mm -hmm. um the rebel in me does it anyway and I say that with a little bit of a smile. Not everyone can see that since this is audio only, uh, but is really talk about self-care because mm. as a population, we are excellent at 
really walking our clients through how do you have a healthy balance how do you take care of yourself what do you do for you where do you draw those boundaries and then when it flips and it's us or we get home at night we're like okay yeah whatever yeah that works for them i'm not even gonna try so what does that dance look like for you so first of all, I love this topic because I also talk about this with my students. Um, and in, <clears throat> I don't know why I don't do this in every class. I think because I, there's just not enough time, but in my um, advanced group work class that I teach, mm-hmm. um, or maybe it's my foundation group. I don't remember anymore. One of my <laughs> They all blend. <laughs> so first of all, I always talk about self-care as like, mm-hmm. okay, Self-care is important. Yes, yes. You can roll your eyes because people talk about it and they tell you that it's important, but no one ever really tells you what it might mean in your life and how to do it and how to make it work. And to also think about it as something different than I need to go spend $150 on a massage every week. That's lovely. If that's your self-care, more power to you. Right. But that's not everyone's reality. That's mm-hmm. not what helps everybody. And Correct. it's definitely um, not financially feasible for people. Correct. So it t- so COVID has been really interesting for me in terms mm-hmm. of like solidifying my self-care, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. right before I turned 40, um, I had this like, I want to be a stronger physical body. I want to be stronger. Now Mm -hmm. I have, you know, food and body and my whole life. We could, that's a whole other podcast. (laughs) Um, We're just chalking up those topics. I'm doing this, Melissa. I know. (laughs) And exercise was always, to me, it always felt like a punishment, Mm -hmm. right? Like sweat. My dad would say, you're allergic to sweat. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I just, I wanted to be stronger and I really like to punch and kick things. So mm-hmm. I started doing like cardio kickboxing mm-hmm. at the gyms in my town. I live in this really small town and there's about 15 mm-hmm. gyms. It's weird. Um, wow. Yeah. That is weird. Yeah. We also have a lot of salons and a lot of liquor stores. So oh, interesting combos. Now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> interesting. Um, one grocery store. So um, <laughs> I started exercising and it was like, all right, well, if I go tomorrow or if I go today, then I don't have to go tomorrow. Mm-hmm. If I go today, then I don't have to go tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I just exercised 10 days in a row. What is happening? And that was never like my thing. And I've gone right. through phases where I've gone to the gym, but mm-hmm. it still was like this thing that I have to do. Right. And, uh, I just decided that this was going to be what I do for me. And it has like evolved into a bunch of different types of exercise, but I'm like six years in to exercising four to six times a week. Um, and I feel stronger. I Mm -hmm. like stuff up and put it down. I mean, really my self-care is I like to lift heavy shit. That's what I like Mm -hmm. to do. Um, but in COVID, I had to do a lot of it at home, right? which is a totally different kind of motivation. Mm-hmm. Especially and, when you have kiddos at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were all home for a mm-hmm. long time. <laughs> and I knew that like, 
I couldn't say, I need a break. I'm going to go watch TV for an hour, Mm -hmm. but I could say, I'm going to go exercise for an hour, right? Like it just sort of felt more acceptable or so it became like, I'm doing this. And at Mm -hmm. first we were doing family workouts, which was really, really fun. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, but that's not enough for me. I want to be lifting heavy. Heavy. Yeah. Um, sorry for swearing. I hope that's okay. Oh, you all the time. Go for it. <laughs> uh, so, um, once my gym reopened, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know if I can go back. Like, it's just too risky. Blah blah blah. We've been quarantined a hundred times. Um, but I was like, let me just try it. And the leaving the house mm-hmm. and going somewhere else mm-hmm. and doing something that is just for my brain and my body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no children anywhere mm-hmm. and then coming home it really registered how physical activity is good for your mental health right it's like right. I knew it but right. I didn't know it right right um and so even just like the ritual of I really like workout clothes of like putting out my gym clothes the night before mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know figuring out what modifications do I need to do because mm-hmm. I have a torn meniscus and all kinds mm-hmm. of crazy stuff Um, but my exercise journey led me to CrossFit, which also feels crazy. Like if you had asked me 10 years ago, like, would you do CrossFit? I don't like exercise and now I'm doing CrossFit. I'm one of those. (laughs) I don't want to get hurt, but like Mm -hmm. not hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, and my gym actually disaffiliated from CrossFit after the whole CEO was a terrible person kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but still a lot of like high intensity weightlifting and all that right. kind of stuff. So right. that is what I do for self-care. That's mm-hmm. the long version of mm-hmm. my exercise for self-care. But I feel like mm-hmm. the story is important because plenty Absolutely. of people are mm-hmm. like, yeah, I exercise and they just do it. And it's not necessarily mm-hmm. their self-care. Correct. So in my class, let me back up in my mm-hmm. class, what I have my students do is I'll say, all right, what is something that you are going to do between now and next week, the next time we meet mm-hmm. for self-care mm-hmm. and they have to say, mm-hmm. um, and it's not so that next week we check in and people mm-hmm. are made to feel badly. Right. We didn't, right. we don't, we don't check in, but it's mm-hmm. the, at the end of the next class. Mm-hmm. And I say, what are you going to do? And think about last week, if you did what you said you were going to do, mm-hmm. how did that work into your schedule? Did it work? Did it make you right. feel good? Right. Was it a good use of your time? Mm-hmm. If, if you didn't get it done, what got in the way right. you need to do differently this week? Mm-hmm. You know, and the feedback that I've gotten is that like, it really does encourage people. I also went to this workshop. I think it was emotional first aid and the mm talking about self-care as self-compassion really resonates differently with me. Also, when you think about it as like, absolutely, I need to take care of myself. It's like, I need to be compassionate towards my own brain and my own Mm -hmm. body and my own heart and soul. Otherwise I'm not good for anybody. And of course the metaphor of you can't pour from an empty cup. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. I completely agree with that day. I think, um, in a, I will say in a previous life, Mm -hmm. even though, um, 
I still, you know, I'm still a work in progress. You know, the word workaholic um, was something I think that was instilled from a very young age. You know, my family is Albanian. Um, my father started working in his father's shoe repair shop when he was 14. Uh -huh. So we, it was really instilled in us from a young age that you work and you work and you work. And so my view of self-care always was, I'm going to work hard and then two weeks a year, I'm going to play hard, which of course equated to two weeks of year of sleeping. Right. It might've been on a tropical island or on a cruise ship, right. but it was sleeping because right. it wasn't like you're saying those daily or even weekly things yeah. that you're able to build in to sustain. And right. I think that's right. the important difference of yes, vacations are fabulous. Mm -hmm. Obviously we would all like to take one currently. Um, vacations are fabulous, but that's just a band-aid. Right. That's, that's not that daily self-care piece right. that you're talking about. And if you have young kids, mm -hmm. then it's traveling. It's not correct. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So like vacation yes. has right. to really be planned and like, can right. my mom come and stay with the right. kids? So yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. In um, my clinical office that I haven't been to in forever in a year, um, one of my business partners and I, we always debate the word trip versus vacation, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, a trip is something that you have to do, you want to do, but it comes with stress. Right. A vacation is exactly what you're talking about is that it's your stress feed check out of lifetime. Yep. So mm -hmm. And hopefully yeah. we'll all be able to take trips or vacations soon. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> Someplace I tropical. <laughs> I am going to get to go to camp though in Mississippi, which is basically tropical. Um, it's it like is. So tell me, tell me about camp because you oh, mentioned yeah. it briefly before we recorded <laughs> and so, I'm so excited. So first of all, I also want to say for everyone who's listening that if you are, uh, if you have your BSW, if you have your MSW or you are an MSW student or you are already a post MSW social worker and you also would like to come to camp, I am hiring two to three other social workers to come work with me at camp. You have to stay there the whole summer. That's just, that is the caveat because of COVID we're doing a bubble. You have to come the week before camp is over and stay until the last day and you can't leave. Other than that, We'll make it work. So if you need an interesting field placement, I can supervise. Oh. That's sort of my dream is to figure out a way to get MSW interns. But a lot of schools don't do those like summer block placements anymore. Plus this right. is technically 24 seven for right. Absolutely. 10 weeks, but right. it could be for the right person. Anyway, so uh, I grew up at camp every summer. Uh, my dad was a camp director, like I said, so I was born there. We lived at camp until I was kindergarten age. I'm the mm -hmm. um, And so camp has always been such, so formative in my identity. And mm -hmm. if you look at kind of all of the people that have graduated from mm -hmm. Jewish camp, we are all professional helpers. There are so mm -hmm. many social workers, teachers, rabbis, just any definition of helper. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of where we end up, which is right. amazing. Mm -hmm. So um, I knew that there was a camp social worker, but I was like, I have a full-time job. 
I would love to be able to do this one day, but that'll never be able to happen because I have a 12 month contract, blah, blah, blah. Well, then in coronavirus, you know, I haven't been to my office in Mm -hmm. a year. Right. And the, the realization from management that people can actually get their job done fully remotely, Mm -hmm. which I've been saying for a long time, Mm -hmm. um, became like, oh, right. You, you can't Mm -hmm. do that. Right. So when I saw that the camp was hiring, looking for a community care director, I was like, uh, hmm, hmm. So I said to my husband, I said, what did you think about me being gone the whole summer and living at camp? And he was like, would the kids be with you? And I said, for at least half. And he said, knock yourself out. (laughs) (laughs) So he just gets a half of a summer vacation. (laughs) Yeah. But like the kids will be occupied. And so for him, also self-care and space for him because he is not good about self-care. We also have um, a foster kid, but he's almost 19 at this Mm -hmm. point. So he is, Mm -hmm. you don't have to like right monitor him right 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 um so i talked to the camp director who's Mm -hmm. my age we grew up at camp together and i am like the daughter of the founding camp director so there's a lot of stuff in that right yeah being like an angsty teenager about that Mm -hmm. um and i was just like let's let's talk about this and Mm -hmm. we talked for a little bit and we kind of like named the whole like who is my dad? How am I different? What am I looking for? Mm-hmm. And she said, I just am worried that at the end of the summer, you would be disappointed. And I was like, I'm going to social work you right now. That's you. That's your thing. That is not about me. And she's like, right. you are right. That is totally about me. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, so it just sort of like fell into place that you know, when I tell the story of what we had to do at Simmons in March of 2020, which is what mm-hmm. everybody had to do, right, right. we pulled 700 students yep. out of the field and had to figure out what they were doing. Right. Like that story of how we solved a problem mm-hmm. real fast with mm-hmm. no resources right. is a great example of like what you do at camp. Things yeah. arise very organically and you have to mm-hmm. solve them in the moment. Right. And if I yell at you and you don't like that, we can process mm-hmm. that part later, but let's work right. on it. Absolutely. Right. Let's fix this first. Yes. Um, so it just sort of like fell into place. And um, I have been, so normally I guess the community care director would really just start for the summer, but because I have my LICSW, which is the highest licensure in Massachusetts, and I've been in practice for 17 years Mm -hmm. it's like oh well what else how else can we use you like what else can you do so I've already started doing stuff um like Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be help I'm gonna help write programming for staff orientation Mm -hmm. um and no one went to camp last summer so there's Mm -hmm. gonna be this whole other level of anxiety around COVID Right. right um and I can just imagine a kid coming to camp and thinking, well, what if my mom dies of COVID while I'm at camp? Like, hopefully right. that will not happen, but like right. that, that fear, yes. Anxiety mm-hmm. that a 19 year old counselor should mm-hmm. not be handling because they right. they might have that same fear. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so when my camp director was like, have you thought about the fact that you would be in a small room and you wouldn't really have all your stuff and you 
kind of be alone. And I said, do you mean in an air conditioned room by myself, my own bathroom and my kids aren't anywhere and I don't have to cook for three months? Yeah, thought about it. (laughs) Sign me up. Feels like the ultimate self-care. It's like, yes, I am going to work at camp. Mm -hmm. And I'm also still doing my day job at Simmons. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me, I'll, I'll fill you in on how that went. (laughs) (laughs) See how it goes. Um, But it's really selfish. I mean, for me, the ability to go to camp and be Mm -hmm. in this immersive environment is is already so good for my soul. Right. So, yeah. Right. And I think that's why it's so important Mm -hmm that you know in and we all look at covid and there are so many hardships and negativities and i want to minimize that negative impact of this past year however there's also you've got to look for those silver linings you know and the silver linings of you can do your day job and have this immersive experience as challenging as it may be Um, And people get to maybe recreate what their work environment looks like. And I think those are all phenomenal benefits of what we've learned this last year. And, you know, my, my father and other people have been like, what is it going to be like to be away from your husband? It's like, this is not the fifties, right? Like my primary identity is not as, uh, you know, a straight cisgender woman married to a straight gender man. And my whole world revolves around my relationship with him. I mean, it does to an extent, but I am also a person exactly outside of him. And like, Mm -hmm. maybe if we'd gotten married in our twenties, it might feel differently, Mm -hmm. but we were 30. I mean, so I, I think it feels really good for both of us to be able to know that we can be apart from each other Mm -hmm. for a couple of months. And it's actually going to be really good for our relationship because he's not going to have to worry about the kids. Mm -hmm. He can come and go, he can do whatever work he needs to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And he really needs that. So absolutely. Win, 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 win. Wow. I can't wait to hear all about that experience. You should come with me. Um, I would come visit Mississippi for a week, but that violates the bubble rules. So um, I'm for the whole summer, but my, pup, am, my puppies just, would miss uh, me. My puppies would miss me. Well, the camp director has a dog. You could probably bring your dog. <laughs> um, but seriously, if anyone mm-hmm. listening, if you mm-hmm. are interested, I am looking for social workers and it could be a great field placement. It could be a mm-hmm. great, you know, first time out of school. Mm-hmm. You do not have to be Jewish but you have to be able to live at camp for the whole summer. And you do not need to be licensed if they're no, straight out of school. Don't. I mean, okay. you need to have at least a BSW. Right. Okay. Um, like the higher your level of experience, like the more mm-hmm. engaged you get to be with certain right. staff. Like there's right. work with staff, there's work with campers. And right. so like, if you were, if you have your BSW, your focus might be just kind of like day-to-day with the little kids or something right, like right. that. And if you're okay. older or more experienced, mm-hmm. you might do more things with counselors or more programming. It really just sort of depends, but I get to kind of make it up because it's new. So That's awesome. And yeah. we will have all your contact information in the show notes so people can Great. reach out Perfect. and ask questions yep. and, and hopefully we can get some folks interested. So Love as that. we're closing up this morning, if... There's one piece, and I know 
it's going to be hard for you to choose one, but <laughs> one piece of information or advice that you uh, would give the next generation that you wish you would have known mm -hmm. straight out of school, yep. what would that one thing be that you wish somebody would have told you? So, I, so there's two things. There's one that's like the logistical piece, which is no one really taught me how to negotiate for a higher salary. I mean, very my dad, very, my very dad true. tried to, but I didn't listen to him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and being a woman in a woman-centered profession, right. Right. there's this idea that like, well, if you love the work, then who cares about the money? And that is mm -hmm. totally how I went into my first job. Mm -hmm. Didn't like, we all? Absolutely. It, right? But mm -hmm. like, my time is valuable mm -hmm. and I deserve to be paid a lot of money, which, mm -hmm. you know, we still don't get paid a lot of money, right? But right. like, I deserve that. Mm -hmm. Just because I went into this helping profession does mm -hmm. not mean that I have to, you know, commit to a life of of poverty. Correct. Um, so that's one piece. The other piece is that social work school is a great time to cross things off your list of types of social work that you don't want to do. I think there's this idea that to be a good social worker. You have to want to work with every population and learn every kind of treatment method. And that's not really true. I, I mean, and sometimes it, it's like, you're not allowed to say that out loud. Like right. I do not want to work with the older adult population. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you know what? Somebody else is terrified of working with teenagers. Right. But I love working with teenagers. Right. So it's a balance. And if you have this huge list of all these different ways to be a social worker, start crossing stuff off. It's a huge right. weight off. Yeah, I love that. And uh, that's something I encourage my students as well is yeah. take a risk. This is your time to take a risk. You're not signing a contract. Right. You're not taking a job that you right. end up disliking, right. you know, just start crossing things off now so that you can really kind of hone it down to what you really like. And then so. you can market yourself. Absolutely. Way later. Right. So, well, as always, Leah, it has been such a pleasure. I love your energy. I Thank love you your too. stories. Um, I have at least five things that we're going to circle back and check up with okay. you on, especially Great. this camp experience. Yeah, I'm so um, but I really hope that the people listening will be able to reach out and and be able to enjoy Mississippi in the summer heat. Yep. Um, but more when I was growing up at camp, there was no air conditioning, so. Oh, so it's air camp with air conditioned? Yes. Oh, it was well, that's not a, when I was growing up. <laughs> that's, glam, that's glamping. Anybody can do that. I could even do that. <laughs> so um, once again, thank you for your time. It's truly a pleasure. And I hope you have um, an amazing rest of your day. Thank you, Melissa. This was super right. fun. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Thank you everyone for listening to yet another episode of Beyond the Smile, Real Talk with Real People. I hope you enjoyed the discussion today as much as I did. Don't forget to download, like, and share the episode with anyone you feel could really benefit from the message. In addition, you can follow us on social media, or you can sign up to be a part of the podcast and receive notifications of new episodes at our website, beyondthesmiletribe.com. 
check back next week for another exciting discussion on Beyond the Smile. Until then, don't ever forget your worth and always remember to take care of you.